The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Duncan. I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing Brandon Alexander's violent hit on DeVaris Daniels. A lack of vaccination policies in Edmonton and Saskatchewan. Nick Arbuckle's first start in Toronto. The BC Lions' new owner, hey. And Justin Trudeau running into the Montreal Alouettes at the airport. But first, Dunkster, huge story in the CFL this week. The Edmonton Elks have had a COVID-19 outbreak with 11 members of the team testing positive for the virus. Thursday's game against the Argos was postponed and the players are isolating while being tested daily. Dunkster, what does this mean for the CFL season? Overall, it's the first outbreak that the CFL has had to deal with, and it's only in week four, so less than ideal. And you factor into it that the CFL mandated a policy where if teams weren't over the 85% vaccination rate, that there could be the potential for loss of pay and losses as well. And the Elks are not there yet, according to President Chris Preston. They're the seventh team in the league in terms of their vaccination status and Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner said further to that the majority of the cases are among those who are unvaccinated on the team to me what I don't understand Hodge is just a few weeks ago we had players named with the Elks who had COVID-19 but this time they are not being made public now I can understand for privacy concerns and medical reasons but my thought would have been that Wherever these positive cases would have occurred, you would want to alert those people and let them know. So I hope the contract tracing is going on behind the scenes. Agreed. Now, I I had a few questions for people saying, hey, well, don't CFL teams have practice rosters and practice rosters are are enlarged right now. Why couldn't Edmonton still play the game? Well, the the truth is that uh, Alberta's health organization 
uh, did not allow the team to travel under any circumstances. So that's why the game had to be postponed. I don't believe Toronto is at the 85% vaccination threshold either. So I think they're happy the game is getting rescheduled because otherwise those players would all lose out on their game checks. And Dunster, I certainly hope that this incident serves as a wake-up call to any individuals, be it players, coaches, tier one personnel, whatever, who have not been taking these policies seriously or anybody who remains unvaccinated, right? The last thing you'd want as a team is to say, oh, well, we were only two guys short of, 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 you know, reaching 85% and, and not losing a paycheck. And now all of a sudden we're, we're screwed. Cause guess what? This, this might not just be affecting week four dumpster. This could easily go into week five and labor day as well. Well, it could go beyond because we're not certain that the Elks and the Argos are going to be able to play this game before both of those teams play their classic Labor Day rivalry games, right? There's a short timeline there. So to me, the fact that the Elks have the facility shut down for seven days, and as you mentioned, aren't even allowed to travel, and you go with all of the contact tracing that the public health service has to do like they come in and they take over. This is not the CFL or the CFL PA's decision anymore. This is public health driving what is going on right now with the Elks because they have this many cases. The players association deemed it a major outbreak. And that's what it is for anyone out there that doesn't know. If you have two or more cases in your place of work, they deem it an outbreak. So that's how Alberta Public Health is treating it right now. And that's why, to me, I see it as being very difficult to have this game played at some point before Labor Day. So then you're talking about trying to get it in later in the season. And we know in the CFL there's an odd number of teams and only one team has a bye week. So it could be very tricky for the CFL to try to get this game in. And if in the event that the game is canceled, it would appear that neither team is going to get paid. Uh, the victory would go to Toronto. They would be afforded a one nothing victory. Edmonton would take the loss. My issue, if I'm the Argos at that point, though, is you're obviously missing out on all of your game day revenue, right? If you're if you get six home games instead of seven because another team couldn't handle their COVID situation correctly, I would almost feel like I'm afforded damages uh, because obviously, you know, even at even at an average ticket price of say fifty bucks a pop, and the ten thousand people they're getting in Toronto these days, that's still half a million dollars in your coffers that that you're now coughing up because another team couldn't handle their COVID situation properly. Um, the Elks have had fourteen positive tests at this point; nobody else has had any. Um, take that for what it's worth. It's uh, it's not a good situation. And Dunkster, on this podcast, we were desperately looking forward to talking football once the season got underway. It's unfortunate that we got to talk all this COVID crap because because of what's arisen in the uh, the northern uh, city in Alberta of Edmonton. Certainly, and the commissioner rightfully so reiterated that the policies need to be followed, Hodge, and there's speculation around around the league, the Elks broke those protocols. So what I really want to see from the CFL now is an investigation to find out really what happened, what caused this outbreak, because if the players were at home and abiding by all of the policies and all of the logistics that they need to go through to keep COVID out of the locker room or out of being around the team, then I don't think it would have gotten to this many cases. That's just me. Yes, and uh, we got to move on. But w- but one thing I will say before we before we do is, you know, at, at the end of the day, these CFL teams are essentially policing themselves, 
right? Players are on the honor system. When they're in the building, teams can control them, can influence them, can ask them to wear a mask, can ask them to do this, that, and the other thing. When players are off team property, they're essentially allowed to do whatever they want. It's just honor system. So if a group of players were to break protocols and then lie about it to their team, there's really no mechanism by which the CFL, the team, anybody can correct that unless there's hard evidence, right? That, that appears of somebody out in public breaking protocols and there's photo or video evidence, there's nothing anybody can do. And, and that's part of what makes this so tough. So yes, I agree. I would love to see an investigation by the CFL because obviously teams investigating themselves is always going to lead to a conflict of interest. Dunkster, we got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. All right, summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach bod you've been working so hard to show off? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop down your worst weeds up top. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor powered by 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes ouch get 20 percent off for free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com escape the shrubs and weeds this summer with manscaped dunkster the toronto argonauts felt brandon alexander's hit on devaris daniels was quote a cheap shot end quote Though the defensive back felt strongly it was a clean hit, he has a point as well, considering the officials didn't penalize the hit on the field, though it was charged with roughing upon review from the command center. What are your thoughts on the hellacious hit by Brandon Alexander? That last part to me is more the issue than anything. You cannot penalize the play based on the outcome of it and the subsequent injury. And Argos head coach Ryan Dinwiddie suspected that it was a concussion and it looked like right after the play Daniels was scary man it looked like he had sustained some sort of a head or brain injury we should probably call it so to me that's where I have the main issue here I think if Devaris Daniels would have caught the football and Alexander makes that tackle we're probably not in this situation here where we're even talking about it being a cheap shot, it probably would have been a really good football play where the pass is completed. Alexander makes a hit and Daniels gets back up and we continue playing football. But the fact that it wasn't completed and the shot stands out because of what Daniels looked like on the ground to me, shouldn't be the reason that you penalize it after the fact we saw in week one, Jordan Williams of the BC lions helmet to helmet on Cody Fajardo. There was no penalty there. And even on the review, it didn't happen, but yet there was a fine afterwards. So we need some consistency here in what's going on from the officials on the field, in the command center, and even the CFL overall itself. 
Agreed. And and Brandon Alexander is not a dirty player. I've watched every snap he's ever taken in the CFL, uh, but he is a physical player and he makes no apologies f- for that. I have his postgame comments up on three down and he made very clearly. He's like, look, I'm a physical player. I'm going to play physical. The quarterback put me in a position where I had no choice but to hit uh, Devaris Daniels coming over the middle. He felt it was a clean hit. The officials on the field told him it was a clean hit. And I, I agree, Dunkster. I don't love the hit personally, but the 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 fact that Devaris Daniels was down afterwards should not play a factor in whether or not a penalty is called. To me, that's the the really important thing because at the end of the day, the hit is clean or it's dirty, and you have to make that decision. It doesn't matter if Devaris Daniels bounces back up or not. And hey, guys get hurt all the time from clean hits. That's the other thing. It, it shouldn't matter if a guy is injured, hurt, whatever. Um, as much as that shot, as you mentioned, was scary on TSN. Um, I also asked Mike O'Shea, who is having an ear, a very, very hotly uh, debated uh, conversation with the officials after the play. He did not want to comment on the hit post game, which is fine. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was a scary moment. And I'm glad that uh, uh, hopeful anyways, that moving forward, we'll get situations like this cleaned up. Yeah, it just needs to be consistent. And you could tell, as you alluded to on the field, O'Shea was hot. He felt like the hit was clean. And <laughs> to me, it didn't seem dirty because Alexander wasn't leading with his head and he wasn't trying to make helmet-to-helmet contact with Daniels. But as you mentioned, sometimes clean football plays or proper hits are going to cause injuries. It's the nature of the game. So we cannot penalize the result. We need to look at if that actual act on the play is worth throwing a flag. Edmonton and Saskatchewan Hodge are the only teams that have yet to introduce a requirement for fans to show proof of vaccination or a negative test when attending a CFL game in those cities. Are these policies overdue? Yes, absolutely. It's abundantly obvious. And look, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a health expert, but when you look at the situation, let's compare apples to apples. You got Winnipeg, you got Saskatchewan. Winnipeg starts off the season on August 5th with a full vaccination requirement. They have 33,000 people in the building, and two weeks later, their COVID numbers are unchanged. Their seven-day average on August 5th was 27 positive tests. Their average two weeks later is 28 positive tests, essentially as flat as you can be. It's, it's as flat as the prairies, Dunkster. And then in Saskatchewan, August 6th, they opened their stadium. I believe their running number was 54, seven-day average. Well, it has gone up by over 150%. It has more than doubled over the next two weeks. And a lot of cases did come, or at least were connected to, the home opener, right? Pill Country had an exposure warning. A shuttle bus had an exposure warning. At least nine confirmed cases came from the game. We don't know what the real number is. And, and look... If you are not a vaccinated person, you have the right to not get the vaccine. I'm not suggesting that we should haul haul people down and, and shoot them with the vaccine against their will. Nobody should be suggesting that. However, going to a football game is a privilege. And at this point, I think what you're seeing in places where there haven't been mandates, you're seeing vaccinated fans. And let's remember, 83% of eligible Canadians are vaccinated. They're the, they're the large majority. They're staying away because they're seeing situations like Saskatchewan where people are getting the virus. And we know it's possible, however, less likely to still get the vac or to still get the virus if you're vaccinated. So, yes, these policies are long overdue. There's a reason why seven other teams have them. It's time Edmonton and Saskatchewan fall in line.
You know what I would have liked to have seen, Hodge, is when the commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, spoke to TSN recently and essentially called up the players and said he'd like to mandate vaccines. How about you turn around and look at those two teams and you call them out? You have no issue, Randy Ambrosi, needs to be said, I have no issue naming him, calling out the players yet again and saying that if you could mandate vaccines, you would. But then when you talk about the teams, you say it's up to them. Everyone around the country and even the world, I would argue, because they want to get this global 2.0 thing going, would understand that it is way safer to have that proof of vaccination or a negative test. It's very simple. So how about you call out your own teams, act like a commissioner, and make sure that your fans that you talk so much about, that you claim to care so much about, are safe because you mentioned it, Hodge. In Saskatchewan, there were a number of cases linked to that first game where it was a sellout there. Who knows what other cases that they either haven't found or maybe haven't even come about yet in some of those cities that could happen in the future. So that's what I would like to see. The commissioner stepping up. It's one thing to call the players. You do it all the time. I understand it. But just be the same with those teams. I get you got to go back to your meetings and talk to those presidents and the people on the boards there and deal with them. But you need to have a message that the CFL is the safest possible place to come and play and for fans to come and attend those games. It's simple to me. Well, and there is one group that nobody is stopping him from mandating vaccines for, and that is the CFL office, right? right. If you want to lead by by example, you're the commissioner. You're the boss. You could easily say, hey, if you work in our league office in Toronto, you, it's a mandatory vaccine policy. That would not be hard to do, and uh, they haven't done it. So if you want to lead by example, that's one thing you could do today. That's something you can do right now. Uh, I get the teams are out of your control to an extent, but but your league office, that's you. Dunkster Nick Arbuckle made his first start for the Argos in week three and made the most of it, upsetting the Blue Bombers while throwing for 310 yards, a touchdown, and rushing for one more. Are you sold on Arbuckle as the starter for the Boatman? Not yet, but I'm intrigued. Certainly, we need to see more of a sample size. Remember, that was just the eighth game he started in his CFL career. Started seven in 2019 when Bolivar Mitchell was sidelined by an injury. Went four and three with Calgary. There was a lot of question marks there. Well, you know, was he a system quarterback? How his defense played really well? He could have had a better win-loss record. But, I mean, we should say, too, it was the first seven starts of his career coming into a situation where Bolivar Mitchell wins over 80% of his starts. So, High expectations there. That said, I will say in week three alone, I felt Arbuckle had the best performance of any quarterback that took the field. Cody Fajardo did complete over 80% of his passes, but I liked what Arbuckle did in terms of throwing the football down the field, and the Argos offense looked really explosive. So I want to see more from Arbuckle before I anoint him, and I'm sure he's going to get that chance going forward with the Argos, especially after beating the reigning Grey Cup champion. So overall, Arbuckle's off to a strong start. Still need to see more, though. Yeah, Winnipeg's defense was absolutely lights out in week one and week two. They gave up a total of 13 points between those two games. They gave up almost no yardage, took the ball away a ton of times. 
So I, I think it's really encouraging if you're an Argos fan to see Nick Arbuckle stand in there and, and play really, really well against Winnipeg. It's again a small sample size. I'm in agreement with you there, Dunkster, but I still think he, he looks special. He looked different. Uh it helps that he's got great weapons at his disposal, right? I know like I, I could probably throw for a hundred yards if I was throwing Eric Rogers and DeVaris Daniels and you know Armonty Edwards not not Armonty Edwards anymore there, but uh else they got Breskinson's hurt, but they st- Ricky Collins Jr. They got Curly Gittens Jr. They got Dijon Brissett like like the, the talent is off the charts. Um, and of course, DJ Foster was great coming out of the backfield in that game as well. Even though a month ago, as you wrote, Dunkster, he was sitting on his butt. So I, I, I thought it was a very good performance. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see where he could go next. And the BC Lions, Hodge, are trying to see where they'll go next with their new owner. It's been a while. The process took a long time, but Amar Doman is the First minority owner in the CFL in 25 years, local ownership for the Lions. What are your initial impressions of the new Lions boss? Well, Dunkster, talk is cheap, right? Talk is notoriously cheap. Anybody can say anything about anything, um, and it doesn't mean it ever comes to pass. So I want to preface what I'm about to say by that. However, with that said, I'm remarkably encouraged by what I've heard and read about Amar Doman and what he said about the Lions. He's been very respectful about the late David Braley, who owned the team from 1997 till the time of his death uh, in, in 2020. However, uh, he also has acknowledged like, yeah, okay, Mr. Braley, the last few years of his life was very ill. He didn't have the energy to really run and fund this team properly. Marketing has been subpar. Um, and he's he's talking about putting his money where his mouth is. He's got the deep pockets to make it happen. He's also talked about the impact of being a local owner. He was born in Victoria. He lives in Vancouver versus Braley, who lived in Burlington, Ontario, throughout his his ownership of the Lions. So when he's local, he's he's embedded in that business community. He's got deep pockets, and he's got some intriguing ideas. One of the things he's already talked about implementing is a BC Lions Day. Right when the Lions are playing on a Thursday or Friday night, let's have every kid in the province of British Columbia wearing orange and black and getting excited for Lions games, handing out free tickets. Those are the types of marketing things that that take time to kick in, but Dunkster, once they do, I think that we could see a new era of football on the West Coast for the CFL. I think it's very encouraging. Again, talk is cheap, but he's saying all the right things. Agreed on many of those fronts, Hodge. And people will look at the Vancouver or the BC Lions market right now and say, ah, you know, how are they ever going to get back on top or how are they going to get a bunch of fans back in the building? But we got to remember, the Lions used to be a juggernaut of a franchise from a business standpoint when the great Bob Ackles was there and when they were actually investing money into marketing the team. So if Amar Doman does those things that you mentioned that he's talking about, that's possible, I think, with local ownership who's rooted in the community, who's committed to the team, who has clearly lots of money, like his last estimated net worth was well over $700 million and it's probably grown since then. So a lot of positive points for BC, but you've got to get the ball rolling. You've got to start that drive to score touchdowns. Agreed, Dunkster. Agreed. we got to take one last break, but when we do, we'll come back. It'll be time for Hodges Heritage Moment. Welcome back to Hodges Heritage Moment. 
On this day in 2012, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers fired head coach Paul LaPolice. Winnipeg had recently signed LaPolice to a contract extension following a berth in the 2011 Grey Cup, but a 2-6 and six start to the season prompted general manager Joe Mack to make a coaching change in the interest of his own self-preservation. Tim Burke took over as the interim head coach and lost his first game by a score of 52 to nothing in the Labor Day Classic in Regina. La Police would spend three years working as an analyst at the CFL on TSN before returning to the Blue Bombers as the offensive coordinator, winning a Grey Cup in 2019. He now serves as the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks, who have opened the 2021 season with a 1-1 one one record. Dunkster, could you imagine being an interim head coach and losing your first game 52 to nothing? Unbelievable. <laughs> I cannot, man. You're supposed to get that boost when you have a new head coach. Didn't happen for the Bombers that way. And if you need a boost for your car, please take it to Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube has got all the expertise, all the tools that you need to get your ride running great, back on the road, ready to go. Well said, buddy. Back to school. Everybody's getting ready. You need to make sure your car is ready so you can get your kids there safely if that's a method that you use or get back to work in the fall. So go to Jiffy Lube. Be in and out in a Jiffy. It's now time for the three-minute drill powered by Jiffy Lube. Jake Mayer won his first career CFL start in place of an injured Boldy by Mitchell. Do you think he's the real deal? Need to see more... Everybody had a strong start in his first career CFL game, buddy. CFL teams have directed teams to list game time decisions on depth charts. Is that a good move? I think it's necessary. You can't have betters coming in and not knowing who's playing in the game. The Elks fired special teams coordinator Chris Rippon after their first two games. Was that warranted? To be honest, I don't know what him and Jamie Elizondo were arguing about near the end of that Lions game, but it seemed like that was what led Rippin being out of the building. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau ran into the Alouettes at the airport, and it turns out he's a big fan. He was fanboying. Is that a surprise to you? When a politician is on the uh, the, the, the beat ahead of an election, I don't think it's a surprise ever when they, uh, you know, are, uh, are all gregarious, excited to meet a new group of people. Mike Miller broke the all-time CFL record for career special teams tackles. Is that a big deal? It is, man. Really. That dude has been a stud, and it's a third of the game, as we all know, in the CFL. Congrats, Mr. Miller. Cody Furrow celebrated his Week 3 win with a corn dog from a local Regina Fair. Is that a decent food to celebrate with? For me, it's always about the chicken wings, but corn dog? Yeah, yeah I guess I could get behind that. <laughs> Saskatoon native Emma Ray Dale became the first woman to play in a CJFL game. She even recorded a special teams tackle. Yo, let's go, Emma Ray Dale. Keep going. Former Riders linebacker Sam McGlovin had four, count them, one, two, three, four sacks in a preseason game with the Dolphins. Is that remarkable? Imagine that, a CFL player making an impact in the NFL, John. Oh, I love it. And hey, if there was any question about Iguavin making the team, I, I think he just did. Last one, Freedom Nation would like to extend its sincerest condolences to the family and friends of Nick Volpe, Toronto Argonauts legend, seven-time Great Cup champion, who passed away this past week at the age of 95. We thank you as always for listening. We'll see you guys next time for the Freedom Nation podcast. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.